Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to This is Bipolar. I am your host, Shaley Hugendorn. I am a mom, I am a substitute teacher, and I am a mental health advocate. I live with Bipolar 2 disorder, and I'm really excited to have my guest, Gabe Howard. I met him on a panel with Rudy Caceres, and um, he was hilarious, and I was really excited to um, get to know more of his story. So Gabe, I would love if you would just introduce yourself. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I, my name is Gabe Howard. I live with bipolar one disorder, and I wrote a book called Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations. I also host a podcast called Inside Bipolar, which you can find, of course, on, on all your favorite podcast players, or you can head over to psychcentral.com slash IBP, which is Inside Bipolar. And then uh, you can learn anything else you want to know about me at GabeHoward.com. I, I guess those are my credentials, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a speaker and I do stuff. Like that's, I never know what to say in these introductions, right? No, I'm, that's I'm my favorite. I have a dog. That's what I Yes, <laughs> there you go. That's a perfect introduction. I love it so much. Yes, absolutely go listen to the podcast. It's amazing. I've listened to it by the book. Do all the things um, because once you get to know Gabe during this interview, you are going to want to learn more. So Gabe, I would love to just roll it back and talk about when you first noticed maybe um, something wasn't right or maybe you um, maybe you didn't notice and someone told you. I'd love to go back to the beginning and hear about your story. So here, here's the, I, I think it's a fascinating thing. If you would have asked me an hour before I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital where I was ultimately diagnosed with bipolar disorder, if I had any sort of mental illness or mental health problems whatsoever, I would have answered unequivocally, no, no, I'm, I'm perfectly normal and fine in every way. And, it, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect back. This was, this was all the way back in 2003. But the reality is, of course, I was born this way. So this is how I always thought. It's how I always felt. It's how my brain always worked. It was normal to me. So I understood mental illness to be abnormal. Well, mm. if you're mentally ill, that's normal. So abnormal, I guess, would be like what? Like sunshine and roses, I guess. I I don't know. It, right. it, it was all normal to me. So the very start of my story is, is somebody walking up to me and asking me if I was planning on killing myself. And I, I said, yes, I I thought this was normal. I thought that everybody was thinking about this. Just you think that mental health education is a problem today in 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 what 2023? No, 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 no. You should have seen mental health uh, education in like 1990, wow, uh, 2000, right? Like if if it's shitty today, it was yeah. shittier back then. So I, I had none. I had zero education. So once again, com completely shocked. The person who asked me this, I answered yes. Uh, she freaked out, took me to the emergency room, and, uh, you know, we're, we're now back at the beginning of the story. I was admitted yeah. to a psychiatric hospital where I received a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I was 26 years old, and like I said, I didn't think anything was wrong with me, and I woke up in a psychiatric hospital. Wow. And what do you think that that person saw? Like, were they a medical professional, or they just noticed things, or what do you, did they did they ever tell you? Oh yeah, the, I, I was erratic. I, I was erratic as all get out. The, uh, the the they were not a medical professional. I, I want to answer okay. that. They yeah. were just a person who had basic mental health education. Right. Uh, it, just just you know she she went to college and took psychology one hundred one. Okay. M mental health education was just swirling around her in in more than zero, right? Gotcha. Like I had zero, whereas mm -hmm. she had more. I, I I can't quantify how much more, but yeah. when when I'm at none. Uh, yep. uh, what is what is that saying uh, in 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 
in, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Uh, I, I was the blind, so maybe she had blurry vision. I don't know, but she had enough. And wow. what she described in the few months that she knew me is that my behavior was all over the place. One minute I was, I was, you know, the, the, this confident life of the party, energetic guy who, you know, she liked. Yep. And then the next minute I, I'm, 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 I'm garbage and I hate myself and I'm mopey mm. and, and it, she didn't like, and then it, in, in some cases I'm, I'm intelligent, right? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking and she's enjoying the conversation. And then the next time she calls me, it's like word salad, just of nonsense. Right. Uh, and, and and it, then when the depression hit, it it stayed around for a little bit. So, mm. you know, here in a couple of weeks, she started noticing like, wait a minute, this this guy's not making plans for the future. Mm. He, he's, uh, you know, he's selling his house and and he rented this apartment that's just a really crappy apartment. Um, mm. And of course, I rented that apartment because that that was my suicide plan. I didn't want to stigmatize my house, wow. and I was afraid if I died in my house, it wouldn't be able to sell for as much, uh, which is not true by the way. But at the time, I believed it. And so I didn't want to stigmatize the property because even though my life had no value, the things that I owned had value. Uh, so I wanted my family to be able to sell it and get the money. So I rented this really shitty apartment and she's like, wait a minute, why this guy, he, he can afford a nicer apartment. Why did he rent this garbage apartment in, in, in the sketchy side of town uh, when his house is in the nice side of town? This is uh, and so all of these things made her kind of put together, I think something's wrong with this guy. I'm going to ask a few questions and see what I get. That is fascinating. So, wow, the stigma of the property. That's so interesting. So when she said that to you and took you to the hospital, were you compliant? So here's the thing. I thought she was nuts. I, <laughs> I, I just want to be really clear. Right? Yeah. She said... Gabe, we need to go to the hospital. And I said, yeah. why do we need to go to the hospital? I'm not sick. And then she said, no, we need to go to the emergency room. And I said, why do we need to go to the emergency room? The emergency room is where you go when you fall off the roof or when you have a car accident or when you have a heart attack. The emergency room is not where you go when you make the very reasonable decision to end your own life. Right. right. So I, I, I just, I just thought she was, I, I just thought she was nuts. Um, wow. But she was smart. Okay. She was smart. She said, I'll tell you what, let's go to the, the the hospital, let's go to the emergency room, and we'll ask the doctor if this is where you need to be. And if this is not where you need to be, I will buy you dinner anywhere in the city. So even in my delusional, depressed, and suicidal state, I still had the overwhelming desire to win an argument. Uh, and, and and free food tastes better. Does. I mean, let's free food just tastes better. So we hopped in the car, we drove to the emergency room, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of things happened and just it, it's all in my keynote speech. so I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Uh, but the bottom line is she was right. Th this is, in fact, where I needed to be. Yeah. Uh, but the, the 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 point that I always like to make to people is uh, she knew that she couldn't order me to go to the hospital. She she knew that she couldn't by, by force of, of anything. But but she also knew that I was not in my right mind and she could trick me. Yeah. And uh, this is a this is a powerful tool and, and one that I advocate for mm. uh, over and over and over again. You know, listen, people who aren't in their right mind, I, I'm I'm this is a, a tough statement to say because people always hear it negatively. But people mm -hmm. who are not in their right mind are easier to manipulate. Now, mm. unfortunately, nine times out of 10, they're being manipulated for a bad reason to steal mm. their money or to mm -hmm. to harm them in some way. But the, the same principle applies for good people for good people, first responders, law enforcement, family members, they're not in their right mind. Utilize that for their own good and protection. Uh, yeah. Again, we see it work over and over again when people rob them blind. Uh, so if we're trying to get people care, you're just not going to be able to rationally reason with somebody who is irrational and mentally ill. And yet time and time again, we try. Well, I explained them to their rights and they didn't listen. So I tased them. You Right. What was wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really, uh, really true statement because I just, it shocks me that a lot of professionals, police, those kinds of things that they don't have like mental health first aid because you can deescalate, like you're saying, in different ways than someone, um, someone that is in their right mind, um, yeah, that's really powerful because it's true, especially if you're hypomanic or manic when you think you know everything or I think that 
everyone else just doesn't know the things I know. So I don't trust them. I'm like, of course, okay. we're magical. We know everything. We are. We are so magical. We have the key, the key to fixing all the things. I always think I have the key um, but before I was medicated that I had the key to like, make everything harmonious like we I can I can I can help get this world to be more peaceful that's like the justice side of me wow that's so interesting so then are you uh, remind me are you in Canada yes no no see, I'm in America you are in America <laughs> I am I'm in Ohio okay okay the I'm most just... exciting state in all of the union <laughs> <laughs> there you go so then um I'm curious about um, your stay at the psych ward and just for anybody listening the way that Gabe might remember it he was was ill so we all remember things differently and how and how they are but I really want to hear your experience but first I want to say to someone a lot of people have good experiences a lot of people have bad experience that does not mean that you should not go right? If you are thinking of, you know, unaliving yourself, that is a better place to be. And sometimes in Canada, we don't have an in-between. You either have, uh, I think it's like a year and a half waiting list for a psychiatrist, or if you even have the teeniest of crisis, you have to go to the emergency room. And people are very scared of that. But you know what? We want you to be here. So please, please, please go. Despite what anybody tells you, their experience is there. It will, it can keep you alive. So with all that being said, I would love to hear about your experience there. Like how long did you stay? Um, what are your memories there? What stick, stuck out to you? So the, I, I was there for, for about three and a half days. I, I, okay. I was, I was admitted later at night and I, I got out later in the evening uh, and, and, and so it wasn't a very long stay and, and, you know, whether that's good or bad, it, it just, that's the way that it was. I, I was released into a step down program. Okay. So I, I was only overnight for, you know, the, the three and a half nights. And then I went into a step down program where I slept in my own house, but I went back for eight hours. Okay. So I effectively went back to the same place, but just instead of you know, being, you know, behind the locked doors, I was allowed to leave at the end of the day and had, you know, more freedom, et cetera, but still participated in all the same programs. That's, uh, it's, it's called intensive outpatient therapy. So you, you get, you get the same therapy, except you're, you're not locked in. Uh, and I, I don't know how they determined that I qualified for that, but I largely suspect it's based on what my insurance would pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that I, I did have somebody to watch me at home Right. Whereas per perhaps if I didn't have a supportive family or, or people to look over me, they, they may not have released me or who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Largely, I, I define my experience as uh, it was traumatic mm. and uh, but it, it's not traumatic in the, you know, rage against the machine, shake your fist kind of okay. thing. I it, It's traumatic in the. I imagine if you have a, a quadruple heart bypass, mm -hmm. that would be traumatic. Mm -hmm. But you're you're not mad at the doctors. You're you're not you're not mad at the hospital. I'm I'm not mad at at at, at anybody. I'm not mad at, at anything. What I am resentful for is how little care was given to me after the fact. And the mm. the 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 area that I like to point people to is, you know, I, I said quadruple bypass for a reason. Mm. Uh, could you imagine if you were having uh, a heart surgery, whether it's it's one, two, I, I, you know, you know, or or you know, double bypass, all four of them, whatever. And and it was the night before, and you said that you were scared. And somebody looked you in the eyes and said, what's wrong with you? This is for your own good. You want to die? You want to have a heart attack? Is that what you want? We're just trying to help you. You, you know, you, you don't even care. Well, you just hate all the doctors. You think you know more than them? I, I, people would be like, what, what, what are you doing? This person's having, having um, bypass surgery on their heart and you're, you're doing that to them? Yeah. Okay, pull out quadruple bypass and put in any mental health thing. Well, now all of a sudden, well, that's reasonable. Well, of mm. course you would yell at them. They, they we're just trying to help them. Mm. Well, what, what, wait a minute. <laughs> just, what happened there? I just, and can you imagine if, if when the person got out, right? So yeah. they, they had the surgery, right? And they're like, that was terrifying. I was scared. I, I, I was sick and I felt bad, et cetera. And, and somebody said, well, what did you want us to do? Just let you die of a heart attack? We're, we're, we're just going to leave you at home to die? You know, you're not even thankful of all these people helping you. Mm. I, I just, 
but people, you know, when, when I got out of the, the, the hospital, I got a lot of for your own good conversations. Aww. Well, it was for your own good. Maybe you'll get your act together now. Maybe Aww. this is a wake up call. Maybe this is rock bottom for you. And, and I, I go back to, to the heart attack thing because people on the heart attack side get that sometimes, especially if, if they've decided that the heart attack was because of their, their diet or their lack mm. of exercise or their weight. And we always have these very robust conversations online of, hey, look, if your loved one is overweight and eats nothing but bacon and has a heart attack, when is the right time to say, look, you need to make lifestyle changes? Mm -hmm. And most people agree it's not the day they get out of the hospital from the, right. the, the, the triple heart bypass, the, double, the quadruple heart bypass. I know the bypasses change a lot in my story, but it's really just to keep you interested. <laughs> I, I point all this out. Yeah. Because the way that we're handling physical health and the way that we're handling mental health is very different. The way that we handle mental health is very accusatory. Mm. I felt very accused. Mm. I felt like it was my fault. And it, here's the most important part. I believed it. Mm. I believed it. I was not a mental health advocate at the time. I was yeah. scared. I was newly diagnosed. And when all these people told me that it was my fault and that I needed to be grateful, I internalized that, which of course did not help me get better. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. It's so interesting. I have said to my husband before, like, I wish that, uh, you know, my symptom of irritability or my symptom of, um, you know, thinking I know everything or just another, you know, another symptom of just, you know, thinking the world is garbage all of, and not being able to pull myself out. I would rather be bleeding because people would pay attention and be like, are you okay? Do you need a, like a bandaid? What can we do to help? Meanwhile, um, a lot of the symptoms of bipolar disorder, I feel like people attribute it more to a personality flaw, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's yes. so hard because I'm like, I don't feel like I am a really angry person. But what people don't understand is that rush over my body and how I feel isn't like, I can't just say, oh, okay, Shaylee, you know, just stop that immediately. You need to think more positively. It's like an uphill battle to try and calm my nervous system or, you know, do the things that I need to do. And pre-medication, I, I didn't even have reflective capacity to be able to know that this was, you know, something that, that I was dealing with. So I think what you've brought up is so, so, so important. I'm curious, what, what do you think would have helped? Like what's something that someone could have said that you would have found more, more helpful? These are always very hard questions to answer. True. So, and I want to point that out for the listeners because what, what I might find useful or helpful, other people may be like, oh my God, that would be terrible. Yes. Uh, also, the world is very complicated. So for example, what I would have found helpful from my mom would have been her mm. to give me a big hug and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Like yeah. that would have been very, very helpful. But obviously if I went back to work and my boss gave me a really big hug and said, we're going to get through this. Awkward. <laughs> that, that would have been less helpful. Yeah. So depending on your relationship with the person, et cetera, it, it's going to vary a lot. But the, the theme that I want everybody to understand is I really wish it would have been addressed more positively. Mm. Uh, it, you know, you can do it. Um, this is a scary thing to be diagnosed with, but let's work together. How can I help? And where your role is, is really going to matter. Uh, like, for example, I, I do wish my mom would have done more cheerleading. And I want to be clear. My, my mom was very supportive. Yeah. My, my mom was not, she was, my, my family was actually like wildly supportive. And in, in the grand scheme of things, they did the absolute best that they could with the fact that they also had zero knowledge about mental right? illness as well. Right. So, so they're learning on the fly too. Mm -hmm. um, but the one theme that they had was that for your own good mentality. Mm. You know, it was, it was take your pills while well, I'm having this side effect. So, so if you don't take them, you're going to be sick again. Yeah. I, I would have liked them, you, you know, Gabe, take your pills, you know, look, they're, they're causing me these side effects. Okay. What's the side effect? Let, let's write this down. Let's get this to the doctor. Mm. And again, I understand that they were not trying to be mean. Right. Yes. When they're like, no, you take those pills, you take what, what they're worried about is me trying to kill myself again, me yeah. ending up in the psychiatric hospital again, me, me, me hurting myself or seeing demons and trying to drive my car off. a cliff. They're worried right. I'm going to die. 
Yeah, that's you're where their energy is coming mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked them to take a deep breath. Yeah. And maybe done a Gabe, it's important that you don't go off your medication, but it's also important we report this to the doctor and work diligently to to reduce the side effects. And like I would have liked more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and, and I would have liked it from all of the people in my life, depending on where they were. All of the attitude was get your shit together and do it because you almost died. And wow, that would have been your fault. Oh. And, and that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to take. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. I hear you. I hear you so deeply with that. Um, I think sometimes we don't, we also, uh, it's almost like we see the, they see us differently. So it, it's like, we can't, um, they don't trust us to tell them what what we might need, right? And I find that too about you said that really um, clearly about the side effects, right? Because I've been on medicine forever. My one big side effect that is that I hate, that I hate, that I hate is that it feels impossible to get up in the morning, right? It's impossible. Right. And I know there's people that like when I do and am like my job or my kids or whatever when I can sleep in i know that um from the outside there's people think that uh, like i'm lazy right or uh, meanwhile it's like i am on this heavy duty medication to knock me out i am trying my best to get up and i just i just have internalized that right like i really have had to undo that in therapy that you know i'm more lazy than the average person i'm not helping myself because i don't get up you know at the crack of dawn and do you know this perfect morning routine um and i thought that was really important that you brought that up i when someone says would say to me you know that sounds really hard and i know for me personally it's a it's a payoff, right? Like not taking those the medication is way worse. But the fact that I have to pick one of the one of two bad things, I would love to hear still, you know, that that sounds really hard. See, and there's where I, I exactly exactly like I, I, I don't I, I don't want to just repeat everything that you said, but but I, I cannot put a, mm. a, a, enough emphasis like I, I want to amplify what you said. Mm. I, I really wish there was more. This is really hard. I, I, I always think in my brain, I always think in my brain, like the, the person who got in like a car accident and doesn't have the ability to walk. So they have to go through uh, um, uh, physical therapy. Right. Yeah. So, that you, you know, the, you, everybody's seen this in, in the TV shows and the movies. It's got like the two bars. Right. And they're 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 using the bars to hold them. And there's like a physical therapist like, OK, move your foot, move. You can do it. You can do it. And the, and the person's like, you know, they got a hold of it and they're struggling and they're they're just trying to lift that foot up. That's all they want to do is just lift that foot up and move it like one inch. And they're just they're holding on to that thing. Maybe, maybe they're in a harness. They're doing and the guy's like, you can do it. You can do it. You, you know, the people around them are like, we believe in you. And, and then, you know, in, in, in every movie, pop culture, TV show, they're able to move that foot like an inch and then everybody cheers. Yeah. Right. Where is that? Yeah. I don't know exactly what that would look like. Mm. I, I recognize it's not as simple. And I do know that it's not as simple. But mm. but where is it? Where yeah. is the is the round of applause? Where is the oh, my God, Gabe, you did it. And I, I'm not saying that I've never received compliments. I, yes. I, I'm not. I just. I feel like they're really few and far between and there's mm. no great big applause moments. Mm. And, and I, I really think there deserves to be more. And, and listen, I'm, I'm a person living with bipolar disorder and I'm not even sure where to put them. So this is really, really complicated. But you opened up the Pandora's box of what would you have liked to see? Yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen a lot more praise for what I have accomplished yeah. instead of a lot more pointing out of how far I had to go. Yes, yes. Like you, some days it's a climbing a mountain that I got out of bed, that I walked to the end of the the street, right? And um, I do this thing on Instagram, it's called Wednesday Wins. And I just say to people like the smallest thing, because that too, like we can trick our brains a little bit, those small, small things, you know, you can feel, you know, good about them. I'm like, celebrate a- anything, celebrate, like I... Today, I did not want to be alive and I am still here. 
And I think that that's, uh, you know, as powerful and as brave as, you know, getting a promotion. It's kind of what our society values, right? And I think that sometimes, especially, I don't know if you find this, for someone like me and you that's an advocate or that is probably seen at our, you know, at our best and we're out there. So sometimes I find uh, uh, people just think that I'm, well, she's okay now. She has her medication. And I was speaking to a college class and they said, well, you take your medication, so you're fixed. And I think it's really important. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this for people to understand that it is lifelong and chronic. And it doesn't matter if I do all the things right. Um, my episodes are muted, but I still get episodes. And I feel even now, sometimes I feel shame. Like I'll feel like, oh, here you go. You're here again. And so sometimes I won't talk to people about it because I feel like, oh, they're going to roll your eyes because they're, you're saying the same things or you're having the same symptoms. And I'm wondering your thoughts about that or your experience with, um, yeah, with that. Yeah. Isn't this the, I, I, it's, it's, it's like this, this, like the, the, the bipolar hypocrisy. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't know what else to call it. It's like, I want you to treat me the same as everybody else. I am a person and you will treat me identically to everybody else. Yeah, and, and then, but well, but wait a minute. I'm going to need some special accommodations, and I also want you to understand that sometimes I'm symptomatic, and I and I I do still suffer, and and you know what? I I deserve the credit for when I don't want to get out of bed, and yet I do. And the people were looking around like, what what happened to that? Treat me like everybody else. Like where did yeah. where did that go? And I try to be mindful of the people with bipolar disorder have to understand that when we're being ignored, it's not because we have bipolar disorder. Mm. It it's just because that's the way the world works. Yes. And I think that's important because for me, I internalize a lot. Like, mm -hmm. why do people not give me the credit for struggling? But then I think about it. I'm like, you know, they also don't give me credit for going to work or for yeah. getting married or for taking care of my dog or for buying a car or for making my payments on time or for mowing my lawn or, you know what? They don't give me credit for anything. Yeah. It's not like they give me credit for all of this other stuff. And then when it gets to bipolar disorder, they withdraw it. Mm. They're, they're not giving me credit for anything. In fact, they don't even know my middle name. You know, now that I think about it, I don't even think they know my last name. Mm. You know, now that I think about it, I don't even think they know my first name. <laughs> and and I, I point all this out not to make people sad, but in reality, this is just how the world works. And it's what we're doing as well. Mm. Uh, so in this way, it's good. But now we get to like that core, right? That core, you know, mom, dad, you know, spouses, yeah. our, our, our besties, our siblings, there's where I want to see the attention do better. So then mm. I, I ask people with bipolar disorder this, how are you giving the people in your life credit? How mm. are you honoring them? What are you doing? Are you telling your, 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 your brother and your sister that, Hey, it's hard raising three kids and having two full-time jobs. And you, you know, don't worry about the fact that your house is a mess. This isn't a big thing. Are you offering to take anything off their plate? Hey, look, I'll take the kids every Thursday or whatever. You, you, you know, just what are you doing to praise them about the challenges that they have in their lives? Mm. And a lot of times people with bipolar disorder are like, well, I, I don't know that they're having challenges as bad as mine. Look, it's not the suffering Olympics. Didn't say as bad as yours, but there's got to be a challenge. And like, I don't know. And I'm like, really? Your parents who are older than you aren't having challenges? They're, mm. they're you know, look, I... I I just turned 47 and it's harder to walk up a flight of stairs. Mm. So I got to imagine my 74 year old father, you, you know, he, he might use a, a hand. He, yeah. he might need some help with some stuff around the house. He might need to be told, you know, dad, I know it hurts when you walk and yet you still come out with us to restaurants, malls, et cetera, even though you're exhausted at the end of the day. I'm proud of you for that because you could sit at home. I don't do that. I, even though I'm saying I should, and that's a true story, never going to do it. It's not going to happen. So mm. I just, I, I think when I wrap all this up into a nice tiny bow, we're all guilty of it. Mm. Just for some reason, when it happens to us, we internalize it a little more and we decide that it's stigma. I don't yeah. know that it's so much stigma as it is just, you know, the world kind of sucks. Yeah. 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 I think that when some of my closest friends or people that I've just surrounded myself now, I feel like we have those, it's so important to have those deeper conversations to have, you know, just go deeper. Cause I feel like there's some people that I would have never thought I would have had certain conversations with, but once 
I was vulnerable and I brought, you know, my needs to the, to the table, other people were able to do that too. And I think we all have these, you know, unspoken needs and there's always been this, you know, suck it up mentality and put your best foot forward kind of thing. And I'm just noticing just this beautiful connection that you can have with people when we can all see each other's struggle. And you're right. If we're not um, being honest or asking, like taking an interest in other people's struggles, then you're right. Why, why would someone do the same? I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about that for, for a while. That's, that's really interesting. I find, um, that I'm trying to, you know, work on my language. I, I refuse to, to say, um, you know, I try to say not just how are you? It's such a big question. That's why we say fine. That's why we say, cause it's such a big question. I'll be like, you know, how are you today? Or, you know, how are you feeling? Because I get overwhelmed. And so then I just say the easy answer. But if someone's, you know, asking me how, how was your day today? Or, um, you know, how has your November been or December been treating you so far? I just think those are such beautiful questions. Um, I have a question for you. And I know this differs from everyone, but one of the things I've just been realizing is that I actually like it when people ask me about my bipolar disorder, when people ask me where I'm at, or, you know, am I experiencing any symptoms? To me, that just shows this deep level of care and wanting to understand my illness is like, it, it's such a beautiful thing. Do you like people asking you, would that mean anything to you? How do you feel about people bringing it up? Because I find that people wait till I bring it up. And I would just love, I love when people ask me. I, I, I am in the, I am in the you camp. I, I love it when people ask me about my bipolar disorder with, with the small caveat of like anything, sometimes I'm just trying to, you know, eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like maybe, maybe not today. Like, yeah, like we yeah. talk about it tomorrow. I, I am human. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't do this job accidentally. Mm. I, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing in, in, in my life where I get criticized for liking to talk. Well, Gabe likes to talk. Well, you know, Gabe likes to talk. Well, Gabe's going to dominate the conversation. Well, Gabe's always talking. Look at Gabe talking about himself again. And then somebody's like, okay, well, what does Gabe do for a living? Oh, he talks about himself. I, I just, well, was he successful at it? Yeah, yeah. People seem to really like what he has to say, and he he's he's really you know broken down a lot of barriers and 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 really helped people become you know like advocates. He's learned a lot. He he's made a lot of friends. He's he's really built this entire career and tribe and life around this thing that we just criticize. Oh, hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now, what do you do with that? Right. I come from a very quiet and you know what? I don't come from a quiet family. I come with a humble, I come from a humble family. Mm. We are loud. We are obnoxious. We're terrible people, <laughs> but we have this, like, we have this vein of humility that, mm. that is, that is a, a core value of my families. And uh, for the most part, this is a good thing. I want to be very, very clear. This is yeah. a good thing, but you know, it, you know how they say that that every cloud has a silver lining? Well, mm. every silver lining has a cloud. This mm. is this is the downside. And the the problem with humility uh, and the problem with being raised to be so humble is that there are times that you need to stand up and say, "Look, I live with bipolar disorder and I spoke at Oxford. I live with bipolar disorder and I spoke at the National Press Club. I spoke at Oxford and I have a, a governor's award handed to me by the governor of my state for being an everyday hero, right? Mm -hmm. I've got it framed. I have accomplished these incredible things even though I live with bipolar disorder. Now, half of the audience right now has rolled their eyes. It is like, mm. ugh, humble brag. No, that's just a straight up brag. It's not a humble brag. I am actually bragging. Uh, and other people are like, wow, that's really amazing. You've accomplished a lot. And you just never know who you're talking to. But here's okay. the reality. When I say I'm a person living with bipolar disorder, will you listen to me to make the lives of, of people better who have mm. bipolar disorder? No. No, I'm not going to listen to a crazy dude. Well, why the hell should I listen to you? And that's where my resume comes very much into play. Mm. And then when I start giving it, I become triggered because now I'm just bragging uh, why, mm. why are you doing that, Gabe? You, di you didn't do this for the attention. Well, but except that in, in order to be good at a podcast, you must have attention. 
So I, I guess true. I did do it for the attention, but I'm, I'm supposed to do it for the greater good, not for the attention. Okay. Mm. But what happens when the attention drives the greater good? Ooh. And those are the struggles that I have like in my life. Mm. Right. I just, it, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing to consider, but it, in this world, you are supposed to be humble, but in order to rise to the top, people must also know that you deserve to be at the top. Yeah. So go. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck figuring that out. So my yeah. family rolls their eyes at me a lot, but it's okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> but you know what? I feel that a lot of people think that the diagnosis is like a death sentence or like that their life is ruined. I know so many people that, you know, don't think that they're going to get married or don't think that that's in their future. And so I think that sometimes us putting ourselves out there and talking about the things we have done or we have accomplished, give a lot of people hope, uh, you know, and I think I like to just press into like, I am average and I struggle. I still have, you know, bipolar disorder. I still, you know, sometimes struggle to get out of bed. I still deeply offend people <laughs> with <laughs> when I am hypomanic and think that all my ideas are the very best ideas, but uh, you know, but I am here and I think that in my own way, it looks very different than maybe what I thought of. Like I am flourishing and I think that it's beautiful what you're doing. I think that it's great that you're telling others because you're showing people that they could do it too, or they can um, manage their bipolar uh, and be able to do these great things. For some people right now, if you're struggling to get out of bed and you're like, these two yahoos are telling me things that, you know, I could never do. Um, I see you and you, you know, that's you getting out of bed might be your award on the wall today, but just know that it is possible that, you know, there would I have been able to do this right after my diagnosis? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, so everyone's at, at their different, different spots, but yeah. That's, that's good. Good stuff. And I will hear about all your accomplishments whenever you want to tell. And I want to know your middle name. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not giving anybody my middle name, but it starts with an E. Starts with an e. <laughs> okay, that'll be the guess. I'll put that on Instagram. Guess Gabe's middle name. I love nice, it. Nice, I nice. I love it so much. You know, it, it's a fascinating world in which we live. Because let, let's, I, I used to be in fundraising for a long time. And, if, and of mm. course, it, one of the things that people say is, well, if you give money and brag about it, that's bad. Uh, and, and, mm. and a lot of people hear that, well, of course, you should give money because you want to give money, not because you want the credit. You should give money because you want to give credit. No. Okay, but here's the problem with that. You have now given money. So you have said this charity is worthwhile or this cause is worthwhile. You have reached into your wallet, which is a very high bar pulled mm. money out and given it to that charity. And then you don't tell any of your circle that you've done it. Right. I Now, now I've got to start over. Now I have already convinced this person to give money. Now I got to go to their friend and convince them mm. because, and, 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 and they're, they're like, well, it's an anonymous donation. So don't say anything, but, 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 but so I scream it from the rooftops. Right. I'm like, I donated money to this mental health charity. I gave them a thousand dollars. And everybody's like, humble brag, bragger. Mm. Oh my God, he thinks he's so good. But all the other people are like, well, now wait a minute. We trust Gabe. We know that Gabe has vetted this charity. And yeah. the reason that we know we can trust Gabe is because Gabe voted with his wallet. Gabe mm. pulled a thousand dollars out of his wallet and gave it to this charity. So I now feel comfortable giving my. 25, 50, 100, 500,000, 20,000. Yeah. And when we think about why this is so important, I, I want these causes to do well. That's why I donated my money. Mm. So let's say that I give this cause uh, $100 and then 100 other people give this cause $100. Well, suddenly the corporation down the street is like, you know, those 100 people shop here. Mm. So we're going to go ahead and give them a $20,000 grant. So wow. suddenly, just by telling everybody and their brother that I donated a thousand dollars, this charity that I care about has 50 grand. Yeah. Now, maybe you work for cancer. 
right? Maybe your can maybe your charity of choice is cancer, and 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 one of the cancers that is not forgotten, and it has a lot of money, and and you know gets a lot of corporate sponsorships, and and isn't hurting for cash. I would argue that that everybody's hurting for cash, but again, mm. we're playing a little bit of the profitable suffering Olympics. Uh, but you know, like like everything becomes pink during certain months, mm. right? We don't have this in mental health, so mental health needs a lot of word of mouth. Yes. And people have been trained not to talk about donating money at all. So right. we're not getting the word of mouth. Yeah. And then we say things like, well, there's not enough beds. There's not enough resources. There's not enough people. And I'm like, well, you know, if you started talking more about it and they're like, no, 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 no. Then I would yeah. be a braggart. And yeah. I know we've fallen down this like weird esoteric rabbit hole, <laughs> but I really do believe that this is what ties into and it's an excellent analogy and an excellent segue into this is what happens when people living well with bipolar disorder don't brag about it. Mm. Because listen, this is very important. Mm. Crisis is always public. Anytime yes. somebody has a crisis with bipolar disorder, everybody will hear about it. But when you have a success with bipolar disorder, nobody hears about it. Yes. So when the general public says, well, the people with bipolar disorder are always problematic, people with bipolar disorder never get better, people with bipolar disorder are violent, people with bipolar disorder never get jobs, people with bipolar disorder never accomplish anything, people with bipolar disorder are always on welfare, people with bipolar disorder, okay, they've heard about all of that and they've seen it, now where's the rest of us? Where are the wow. people who are saying, well, but there's also Gabe, Shaley, and I can't think of Natasha, uh, 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 Lori, where, where are those people standing up and, and counterbalancing it? But yeah. I also understand the reason to hide. So yes. I, this is how complicated this mess is because yes. many people who are living well with bipolar disorder choose to just keep their mouth shut because yeah. frankly, they don't just need the trouble. They don't need, yeah. they don't need the problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And it doesn't feel safe for a lot of people. You're right. It doesn't. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, where are the movies? Like, is it just that it's more interesting for people to fall apart? I know every time I'll be watching a movie and there'll be like this mom and then she'll get wild and she's usually an artist and then oh, she leaves and I'm like, oh, they're totally going to say she has bipolar. I'm so, and I'm like, you know what? I can't paint to save my life. So <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Right. You're right. And um, I tell people too, advocacy is as easy, not as easy. I take that back. Advocacy is like even telling one person, right? Maybe you're not like Gabe and I, and you don't love a microphone, but telling one person, telling the next person, sharing your story, it looks different for everyone. But if every, you know, person tells one person, and this is where I also talk to, and I know we have a lot of listeners that just love someone with bipolar disorder. You know what? Things are very hard for us. We would love if you would advocate for us. We would love if you're like, hey, I have this friend. When someone might say, oh, the weather's so bipolar, you could say, actually, this is a serious illness. But also, my friend is, you know, very successful or this bipolar doesn't look like in the movies. It looks like this because chances are, even if you don't think you know someone with bipolar, you probably do. You, you, you probably really probably do. do. And, and and even if it's not bipolar disorder, it, it's some sort of uh, mental illness. And, and yes. I, I, I know that's like an esoteric hole to, to, to fall down, but many, I would argue that in the course of a lifetime, everybody will have a mental health crisis mm -hmm. and, and people really push back hard on that. They're like, everybody, really, everybody's going to have a mental health crisis. Yes. If, if a loved one dies, how well are you doing? Yeah. I, I just, and, and, and everybody like suddenly is shocked. I'm like, cause if you tell me that you are perfectly mentally healthy after the death of a, a, a very close loved one, like, really? Mm -hmm. Like that's really messed up. Like that yeah. didn't mess you up at all. Like, like yeah. your, 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 your parent, your spouse, your grandparent, your child passes away and you're like, no, I'm fine mentally. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. And then people say, no, 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 but I have a reason. Look, yeah. that that's, what are you doing? Just stop. It doesn't matter that you have a reason. It matters that you're suffering. It matters that you have a problem. And, and I got to tell you that the, the world doesn't, you know, if I get poison ivy, I have a reason too. It's because I touched a poison ivy plant. That mm. that doesn't make the the poison ivy less dangerous. Right. Just, who cares? But we have all these little excuses for why we 
aren't mentally ill or why we mm. aren't having a mental health crisis. Now, I do recognize that bipolar disorder is a serious and persistent mental illness. It's, it's a mm-hmm. lifetime thing. It's not the same as a, a mental health crisis, like, yeah. you know, grief or, or transitional periods, like empty nesters, like when your parents yeah. or when your kids move out or, or things like that. Or, you know, like if you lose your job or if you mm-hmm. retire, I, I understand that there's lots of things that can cause a mental health crisis, which are temporary versus... Yes serious yeah. and persistent mental illness like bipolar disorder. But I think if more people could tap into that idea, it would be just mm-hmm. like physical health, mm-hmm. which even though I have never had a serious and persistent physical health problem, I've never had a physical health problem that I will have for the rest of my life. Mm. I have been sick. And yeah. because I understand those experiences of being better, when somebody says to me, hey, Gabe, I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life with fill in the blank. I understand the seriousness. I'm not so cavalier about it. I think if people could understand that they really are experiencing mental health struggles and then they go away, they would understand us more because they'd be like, oh my God, it's like that for you. It's like after my loved one died, except for you, it's forever. Yeah. And for no reason. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really important that you said, like, I think if we all wrap our heads around the idea that everyone has mental health and it's not always good, there's mental health and then mental illness. Right. And if people talk about when their mental health isn't good, it kind of opens the door for uh, talking about what that looks like when you actually deal with that all the time. I saw this really cool thing that said, um, you know, you can still have mental illness and have good mental health. And I thought, no, I'll never have that because I have mental illness. But no, I actually do because I I don't have a choice but to use to find tools and use tools to manage. So someone that doesn't, you know, admit that, you know, they might be not doing well, or even when they're doing well, they might not do those things to stay mentally well, right? And I thought that that was really interesting, because I was always like, Oh, you know, I'll never be able to say I have, you know, um, you know, decent mental health. But I do because I take care of that. But I do have a mental illness. I don't know. I've been wrestling with that, that idea and thinking, thinking about that. I'd love to change gears. And I'd love to be able to talk about um, like your symptoms and your experiences and maybe some of the things, um, you know, that you feel. I know it helps a lot of um, our bipolar folks that are listening to see ourselves in in those symptoms. And then I would love to hear some of the things that you do to manage your bipolar disorder. Well, we're, what do we want to take first? Where, where do we want to start? I want to start with um, what kind of symptoms do you still experience? The I no longer experience psychosis. Uh, mm. I, 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 that 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 is thankfully uh, behind me. Uh, hopefully, yeah. you know it's con- controlled by medication, and and I really no longer experience mania. Uh, you know, remember I'm bipolar one, so I have the the, the, yes. the full blown I am God. Yes, um, I, I would argue that I really don't experience hypomania. I, I, I go back and forth on that one. There's been a couple of times that I've been like really, really excited and somebody has said, well, that's hypomania. And I'm like, well, I mean, m- maybe, but aren't I allowed to just be really excited? I mean, like, like exciting things are happening. So it, it makes yeah. me think that maybe it's not hypomania. Like if it yeah. was just, you know, in the middle of nowhere, oh my God, I'm so excited. Why? It's Thursday. Like <laughs> then, then I might be more inclined to... Yeah. So I, I do feel I only it's point so that out hard, because, right? To know, yeah. am I happy or am I hypomanic? But you're right. If it, if it makes sense, like if someone else would be excited about this, I am allowed to be excited about this. Right. Right. So that that's always a, a tough one. So I, I don't really feel like I reach hypomania, but I, I, I will admit it is possible. I, mm. I am not so bold as to conclusively say that I have never experienced a hypomanic episode in my recovery. Where I really spend a lot of my time is fine. I'm fine. I'm normal, yep. stereotypical, average, whatever word yep. you want to use. Uh, and 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 depression. Now, depression is one of those things that unfortunately, it there's only like one layer of depression apparently that we're allowed to discuss. Right. So if you are feeling down and defeated, like, oh, I can't accomplish anything, uh, and you're suicide or you're suicidal, we call both of those things depression. Right. So what I have sort of done is is broken it out to 
uh, it's sort of like a three pack, right? We've got depression, we've got immobile depression, and we've got suicidal depression. Mm. And, and th these are not medical terms. I want to be very, very clear. They're yeah. just sort of the way I classify it in my own head. Uh, you know, depression or functional depression, as, as I sometimes call it, I, I am depressed. I am down. I am. It, it's heavy on me. I feel like I'm wearing concrete shoes, but wow, I'm still productive. Yes. I'm still going to work. I, yeah. I'm still getting things done. I, I'm still meeting my requirements. Uh, you know, immobile depression is, it, you know, I, I'm not suicidal. I'm not in any danger. I, I'm I'm not even thinking about it, right? I'm, I'm not saying it, it It might not be like the, the, the neighbor who's starting to turn up the stereo, but I'm not in any danger right now, but you know what? I'm calling off work. Mm -hmm. I, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm canceling that recording. I'm, I'm not, I, I I'm not moving. You, you know what? I'm not moving. Uh, and then there's suicidal depression. I, I spend the majority of my time between immobile depression mm -hmm. and, and, and pretty much fine uh, okay. with, with a couple of blips of happy here and there. Um, and, and that's not so bad. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. But before treatment, it was godlike mania, suicidal depression, right. middle. Like, yep. I'm not saying, I, you know, I was in the middle. I, I'm not, the, the middle is very important. I, I did, but when I was in the middle, nobody cared. I was fine, right? Yep. But my, my, pretty much my only two symptoms were, I am God, bow down to me, right? Yep. You know, the highest levels of mania, or I am garbage. My mother will be happy at my funeral. Uh, and that was pretty much it. So yep. I, I consider this to be manageable, especially since... Uh, if we move on to your second question, how mm. do I cope? Yes. Uh, the, you know, first and foremost, I don't want anybody to think that I got this licked. Yes. Uh, it just happens. I, 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 I do the best that I can with what I have. And uh, the, the way that I manage it is that sometimes I have to take, I, back when I started, I used to say, you know, sometimes I just have to admit I can't work today. Right. I just, I, you know, I can't go to work. I, I got to take some time. Uh, then that evolved into I need a self-care day. Uh, it was the exact same thing. And now it's called a mental health day. The bottom line is I admit that, you know, sometimes I'm just not going to be functional and that's OK. And not to turn what only needs to be a one day thing into a, a, a multi-day spiral. Mm. I just admit that, you know what, today I'm going to I'm just going to watch TV. You know, I'm just going to chill. Uh, the next thing I do is I, I really take a, a, a big stock of what I can accomplish uh, and and I, I I try. I want to be clear. I try not to bite off more than I can chew. Mm. It's it, some people can get up at five a.m. and they can go for sixteen hours, sleep for eight, and then do it all over again the next day, like when they're in the middle of a big project. Or no, no. I I always have to build in three or four hours of downtime. I I always have to build in some sort of activity, whether it's just watching TV mindlessly you know, reruns of something that, that are comforting because I, I know the, I know how they're going to go. You know, there's nothing yeah. shocking. There's nothing surprising. Yeah. Uh, whether it's go to dinner for a couple of hours with, you know, people who I like talking to and not talking about work, just talking about, you know, Marvel or sports or Spider-Man or whether <laughs> Gotham city is based on New York or Chicago. I, you know, just, <laughs> Again, mindless, right? Yeah. And and I build that in. Some people are like, well, in the middle of a big project, you just take four hours off every day. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, because I realize that it's not the it's not the, the quantity of hours, it's it's the mm. quality of them. Uh, yes. I can give you 16 hours, half of them are gonna suck, uh, or I can give you 12 hours and all of them are gonna be awesome. Uh, and preferably I'm gonna give you eight hours and yeah. they're all gonna be awesome. Uh, and I really strive to to set my life up like that. I also have dozens of coping skills that, that of course apply to different, you know, sections of my life. I have a really supportive, uh, you know, home life and family. That's mm -hmm. really important. Uh, and, and I really try to be honest with what I can and cannot achieve. So sometimes people offer me things and I'm like, you know what? That's, that's just not going to happen. I'm, mm. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do that. Uh, e even though I may want to, or mm. if I decide to do something, I think, okay, I can't do that the same way you can. Mm. Um, so how can I retrofit this for me? And the best example, people are like, well, what are you talking about? Like, when, okay, when, when I was very young, when I wanted to be a speaker, I spoke around Ohio because I could drive, you know, Ohio and the, the states surrounding it, you know, basically like an eight hour radius. And then uh, I got a gig in San Francisco, which I'm in Ohio. San Francisco is an, it, there, there's no straight through flight from Ohio to San Francisco. So it's about okay. nine hours of travel with, with a layover. You got to change okay. planes. 
Um, and then there's a three hour time difference. You're in another time zone. California is vastly different from Ohio, just in, in terms of, of everything. And uh, I thought, I really want to do this. Like, mm. I, I want to do it. I, I want to be there. I want to be involved. So I brought a friend. I asked a friend and I said, hey, I want to be very clear. I'm bringing you. But and I remember what I said. I don't know if anybody watched this, watches the show Monk. But remember Monk had Natalie and Sharona. Okay. Right? So so Monk and then uh, uh, the you know you know Monk he was the detective who who supposedly had OCD and solved crimes, but he had a person who followed him around and was his helper. And I said I, I need you to be my Sharona, um, which was the first helper of Monk, like his partner okay. for lack yeah. of a better word. And uh, she was like, okay, I get to go to San Francisco for free. Done. And uh, and we did it. And it was a it was a lot of fun and it worked out well. And it gave me a lot of confidence until eventually I can travel alone with, without her help anymore. Um, but I was my my choices were if my choices were only go or not go, I would have had to choose not go. Right. So I, I was really happy that I was, y y you know, I had the 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 internal fortitude to figure out another option. How can I make this work? Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And then asking for asking for the help when you need it in order to be successful. Right. And also, I love what you said. Uh, if you want to do it, I always think um, I used to think, well, I could do that. Well, surely, uh, you know, I, I, I can see that I can do that well, but it doesn't mean that I, that I should. Right. And it's the same, uh, you know, my example would be with the podcasting. I know, uh, you know, I'm a solo podcaster. I bring on guests. I know that I can sustain two a month with my teaching job. I know that I can do that. And I know that maybe I could be more successful if I did it every week. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe more people, I would reach more people, but I didn't want to start and go, go, go. And then it just fizzle and, and die because that has happened to me so many times because I take on too much. Or I think I kind of always think about in my head that like the hypomanic me, that's, um, that's how much I should be giving. Right. Well, that was impossible because I wasn't sleeping. Right. So right, now right. I try and do things that are that are sustainable. And sometimes I get like, oh, well, you're not a real podcaster. Or you're not doing it the right way. Um, but I think that when we adjust to, OK, well, what is the Shaley way? What is the Gabe way? And um, I think that that's where where we can find success or not even success, but be able to follow through on something, because I know that I had a lot of shame about not being able being really good and then not right? Being really great and then dropping off the face of the earth, right? So yeah, I love that bringing someone along or, you know, putting the things in place that you need, right? Uh, I need a certain uh, amount of sleep. I need to not start meetings at 6am. And I think that once I would love if everybody did that, not just bipolar folks. I think we would be such a, a more healthy and, you know, productive, like the world wants us to be. Like you said, you know, you can do awesome for this many hours. So why not just do that many hours? <laughs> That's awesome. exactly be awesome for the amount of time that you can be awesome for. Yeah, and there, there, there's so much comparison and. You, you know, look, I'm not trying to, you know, dissect the world, but yet we all do it, bipolar or not, we all do it. And we do it in other areas of our life too, right? I mean, competition is ingrained in our society. So I don't right. want to tell people with bipolar disorder not to compare themselves to other people because frankly, that that's that's just mean, yeah. right? I mean, we're going to do it. it. It's built in. But if you're going to compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to the right people. Ah. And, and I, I'm always fascinated when, for example, and this is the best example that I have, you know, people graduate from college, right? Yeah. So, so they graduate, you know, university, they're 22 years old, right? They get their very first job out of college, right? Or out of high school, right? But it's their very first job. It's their career. And they immediately look at their parents and they're like, I, I can't afford the house. I can't afford the cars. I don't understand. Why can't I afford this? I've got a job like you. And they laugh because they're like, I, I've had my job for 30 years. Mm. You're, you're not comparing yourself to the right people. You just compared your first job out of school with your parents' 30-year career. Right. That's not a comparable. And I think yeah. people with bipolar disorder do this all the time. They're like, okay, well, I'm I'm living with bipolar disorder and I've I've decided to become a speaker. Okay, I 
I, I got a website. All right, that's that's good. I'm looking around. Okay, so, you, you know, Deepak Chopra, he seems to be doing better than me. Wow. That's, that's not a comparable. Yeah. But what are you doing? Uh, or, and, and that that's obviously an extreme example, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, they, they go to the, the first class, they go to like Toastmasters and, you know, somebody stands up and they, they, they do their toast and like, yes, I've been working in this industry for 15 years. Like, well, I'm not as good as them. I, I might mm. as well quit. Once mm. again, not a comparable. You've never given a paid speech and you're comparing yourself to somebody who's been doing this professionally for 15 years. Yeah. Stop it. So, yeah. and, and I haven't even gotten into the part where you add in the bipolar yet, right? right? So now let's say that you have been doing it for 15 years. You're comparing yourself to somebody doing it for 15 years. And they say, look, I gave a hundred speeches last year. That's an average of two a week. And you're like, you know, I, I gave 25 and I feel like that's all I can handle. Okay. Yeah. Th it's not a comparable then because yeah. they don't have bipolar disorder. Right. Go find all the other people living with bipolar disorder who are speakers and, uh, you, you know, or, or have something else to manage and see how they're doing. And, yeah. and then maybe you will get reasonable data. Now, I, I still want to say it is still good advice not to compare yourself to people. Mm -hmm. I, I just know that we're going to do it. Regardless, and yeah. in some ways, it's good. You know, yeah, it, some it, ways good. it motivates a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, there, there really is. A, Listen, I'm going to compare myself to people all the time because I want to see what other people are doing. Mm. I want to see if there's anything that, that I can I can mimic. And I want people to mimic me, too. Like, I'm an equal. The, I always say I have an R and uh, an R&D department. Rip off and duplicate. And and I, I, you know, seriously, when I look out in the in the in the world and I see other podcasters, other social media influences, other speakers doing certain things, I think, well, clearly that's what the audience wants. Mm. That That's. That people are doing it for a reason. And if the majority of people are doing it, it must be working. So I would be a damn fool not to incorporate it into my own work uh, mm -hmm. if it's appropriate for me. Mm. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean I copy everything, yeah. but some things I do. Uh, and it's paying attention to these things has a, a lot of relevance in the world, but mm. utilize it for what it is. Put it yeah. in its correct places and, 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 you know, if, if you're going to do uh, market research, make it market research and don't take it so personally. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because you can try, I think sometimes as, you know, as humans, but also as bipolar folk, because we can be so hard on ourselves. Sometimes we're afraid to try to try new things, right. Or do things that fit. We think that there's a cookie cutter way to do things. I know I've spent half my life, like you know, feeling like I don't study properly, right? Because I can't sit and read something, but I have to teach something. I think like what works for you might not work for someone else and try it anyways. Because for me, because I'm doing this all on my own and I have my other career as a teacher, um, I don't even have a website. I don't even have a website. But, you don't have a website? I got to tell you, you should get a website. Websites are awesome. <laughs> I know. I need someone to make it for me. It is painful. For me to do those kinds of things, right? It is painful, but you can still reach people, right? Like I thought maybe my mom and a friend would listen to the podcast and a lot of people listen to the podcast and a lot of people show up on Instagram, but I did it my way, right? Sometimes I show up on Instagram. Sometimes there are spelling mistakes. I can sit at night and be like so embarrassed when I reread something. I'm like, oh my gosh, but I wouldn't, if I didn't just hit publish, I wouldn't have done it. If I had to make it perfect, I just show up, I just show up as I am. And I find that um, more people uh, are reached and more people are helped when I am just as I am, flaws and all, right? Whereas before I would have wanted to make it perfect and the podcast wouldn't even exist, right? Oh yeah. I, I got to tell you, uh, perfection gets in the way of progress more than any other thing in Gabe's life. Yeah. Right. I just I have been writing a book now for 10 years and it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. In the meantime, the the the, the book that I, I was frankly embarrassed to put out and I, I really I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I'm not putting out the book. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. It's doing so well. And I'm so proud of it. And oh. listen, the. The, the book, Honest to God, is not perfect. It's not a shameless plug, although it is. You know, yeah. mental illness is an asshole and other observations. It's not perfect. There, there, there's a couple of typos in it. Don't don't tell anybody. That you know, actually it, makes me happy. Yeah, it's a paperback and I wanted a hardback. You, you, you know, uh, it, it, when it first came out, my 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 picture was bad. This is the second printing where I, I did finally get the picture changed. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I only point all of this out because it, 
people love it and mm. it makes me feel so good mm. and I didn't even want to do it and frankly if it wasn't for the people around me who forced me to do it it'd yeah. still be sitting on my hard drive waiting to be perfected and yeah. all of those compliments all of the good feelings that I have all of the everything every time I say the name of my book and people giggle none of that would have ever happened mm. I mean it's pretty good for an imperfect book Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And you're, you know, you're relatable. I don't want to be friends with perfect people. They don't. Do you know what I mean? So I, think, I don't want to yeah. be friends with them, but I do want to be one. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that messed up? I, yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. There's this thing, the way society idolizes things. Well, I, yes, uh, this conversation just made me uh, so happy. Um, you are such a light. I, for those of you, so this is a perfect segue because we are going to go deeper. I have um, subscriptions available on Instagram and I provide extra content. So you'll get um, exclusive uh, going deeper with each of the podcast guests. So Gabe and I are actually going to do and talk about his book. So if you want to hear that part, go and subscribe on Instagram. It's $6.99 US a month. And I offer um, a bunch of extra things and a place to go deeper and connect um, so that I can uh, afford to do this work. And so Gabe, thank you for all that you put out in this world. Thank you for telling us all of your accomplishments. And I just, um, yeah, I just think that the work that you're putting out there is amazing. And I just hope that you keep, you know, shouting from the rooftops, your message and your story. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. This is Bipolar. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon to be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.